0: Meet Evan Trayborne. He's suffered from blackouts his whole life, a hereditary trait he shares with his committed father. His life is full of horrific events, but he's managed to carve out a promising future for himself as a psych major. But one day, he realizes he has the power to send his mind back in time to rewrite his life. But there are always severe consequences to changing the past. He and everyone he's ever known must always deal with the butterfly effect. I'm Connor Azagari. No, I'm Caleb Boucher, And this is Filmgasm. Happy Wednesday and welcome to the 148th episode of the Filmgasm podcast. Today we're staying in this super dark, dreary place we walked into last week with the perfection. <laughs> this week it's the butterfly effect. An underrated sci-fi drama from 2004 that, at the very least, showcased comedic actor Ashton Kutcher's range. He never really went this dark again. I don't know why. You know, com- you know, comedy sells, I guess, for a guy like this. And uh, here we are with this one film that showed his potential. So, Caleb, what is it about the butterfly effect that made you bring it to the show? Uh,
1: so I actually like a lot. Of, I remember when I was in. God, no, this came out 2004. Yeah, I was there in elementary and middle school when it came out. I forget; it's hazy as I get older. Um, but you know, this was a movie that was talked about a lot. Actually, like I remember kids singing and talking about like the really fucked up stuff in it. And um, I didn't watch it for years. And a friend of my of uh, the family had like three movie collection, and I was like, "Oh, I want to check it out." So I watched it, and I just like there was just something about this movie. I fell in love with it um As soon as I watched it, I, I think it just has to do with the fact that like this movie really to me is the most realistic depiction of like what can happen if you try to change just one little thing in your life for the better, or in this case for someone else's better, and it's the most realistic realistic look at like to me life in film. Like we'll, I'll talk about more as we go, but there's just like scenes that happen that like to someone could be like that kind of happens randomly. And it's like no, that's just how life is. Things can happen in a split second. This be showcases that, and um. I just I'm I will always defend Ashton Kutcher in this role. I think he is fucking phenomenal in this role. And I, like you said, it's the only time he went this dark, only time he went this traumatic. I, I would wish audiences had warmed up to when it first came out so we could have seen him do more uh, stuff like this.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I've never really been that big of a fan of his, but I do appreciate his work in this film. I remember watching, I watched this because you recommended it. You had told me this was such a great movie. And I, for years had thought, no, not going to bother with that. And then uh, my mom bought a bunch of DVDs off a friend at work and the butterfly effect was one of them. So we had it in the house and I thought, eh, I got two hours (laughs) and I put on the butterfly effect and I expected 100% to hate it, but it's really engaging. It's really, really dark. I mean, unapologetically, from beginning to end, there's no happy ending. There's no light at the end of the tunnel. It's just dark pain, agony, and a lot of rape. And uh, just an unfortunately somber film, but really creative. And time travel movies especially are difficult because you have to establish all sorts of rules. You have to follow those rules it's so easy to end up with plot holes and there are a couple in this movie, but they're, you know, easy to miss. And I, d- I did enjoy it and I hadn't watched it since, uh, I think it was like 2016, 2015. It's been a while. So I'm glad we watched it here. Uh, we have uh, by accident done three awfully rapey movies in a row with the third one coming next week. We apologize. Didn't intend that just happened. Um, was the intention. Here we are. Own it, you know, till somebody points it out. <laughs> yeah. I will say,
1: uh, when you mentioned like the the time drive rules and stuff, right? Like you're right, there are like minor potholes right here, like I think like one or two scenes. But for the most part, I really appreciate that, you know, and having seen this a couple of times, like this one sets up very basic rules and commits to it. It follows them constantly throughout the whole movie and i really appreciate that that here we have this like really like almost independent type film that does a better job of setting up rules and following them than some of the bigger budget
0: time travel films i've sat through yeah that's true and actually i think on this show in particular i think we've only done a, a couple time travel movies i think we've done this uh, bill and ted's excellent adventure uh that might be it <laughs> I think that's all we've done with time travel. I know we did back to the future on Oscar Sunday and then, you know, whatever happens on the sneak preview, but here time travel is not something we've really dipped into. So this ought to be pretty interesting. I always, you know, talking about time travel always brings up all sorts of questions, all sorts of scenarios, especially in this case when you can literally project your consciousness into your memories, which is a very interesting way of time to time travel. Yeah. Well, it does that in the film. Also,
1: like, I think we're also, about it really exposed that idea of like, if you could change something in your life, because we've always talked, especially as you, know, you always talked about, right. What's when yeah. you get yeah, a second chance and this one explores that and it explores that of like being able to go back and change something and that in your head, would be fine, Danny, but then what are the ramifications? What does that cause? Because you want to change this part so bad.
0: Yeah, exactly the whole concept of the butterfly effect it's chaos theory, you know, a butterfly flaps its wings here. Volcano goes off in Japan. Are the two correlated? Perhaps it's all about, you know, the ripples, you know, if I go back in time and, you know, one day in my childhood, I go left instead of right. I come back now and, you know, maybe there's a nuclear war in Korea. Who knows? <laughs> it's that's the crazy thing about this stuff is you really don't know how this shit correlates. Mm. And, the smallest detail can just completely change everyone's world. It really does introduce so many fascinating scenarios for the film to explore. And it really does uh, own up to that. Yeah. I I think it
1: being dark, actually, like I can, I think it's smart that the film is dark. I don't think this would have worked had it been a super light, like this kid had a great life type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah.
0: Well, why would he want to go back and change anything if his life was so perfect?
1: exactly i think by making it so nihilistic so bleak it is what makes it engaging because you get presented by a scenario where you're like of course you would want to go back of course you want to change these things you know what i mean but then of course the movie keeps showing you why hey man it, all this you know you hear it all the time bro right everything happens for a reason big saying a lot of people hear and this thing almost enforces that like you shouldn't change it because these things happen for a reason as shitty as some of these things are they happen for a reason, and if you change it, and you want to fuck all this
0: up, yeah, it's uh. Oh, by the way, um, we are doing the director's cut here. Um, the, I think admittedly better ending, uh, which we'll get to.
1: Right, it we'll get
0: to it, but I, yeah, I think it's better. It fits with the theme of the movie more. Yeah, talk. I, I can totally get why the studio was like, "Fuck no, we're not doing that." <laughs> I mean, ending a movie like that. Just to have your audience walk out in complete silence and just like thinking about how fucked up their own lives are. <laughs> it's not really what you want for box office returns. <laughs> what you, what
1: you want? What you want? What you, what, you, what you want. I don't know why I thought of the BC yeah, BC voice on there, but there you go. <laughs> Oh my god I, I Yeah if, Even if I I would Even I came in I know I always make fun Of severe execs and stuff And they're really Out of touch with the audience I would percent get If they sat there And went <laughs> We need to change The ending at least Like holy shit
0: dude Like <laughs> We want the audience To walk out somewhat happy Holy fuck I like to imagine This started out As like a sequel To Dude Where's My Car And it just turned Into this nihilistic Dark ass movie <laughs> That's not what happened. I just like to think that's what happened. <laughs> also,
1: like I'll say it. That's probably the best comedy. Uh, Son on Steve versus my car. I fucking love him and Charlie Scott that movie. Oh,
0: I fucking hated that movie.
1: <laughs> I love that movie. I what's mine so say, stupid. dude? What's mine say? Sweet.
0: All right, but what does mine say, dude? <laughs> <laughs> See, it was just. I don't know. I wasn't prepared for it to be like, for them to be so stupid. I thought it was going to be more of a, you know, I thought it was going to be smarter. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't have any excuses. I just didn't like it. I liked it. I liked the dumb humor on that movie. Uh, the butterfly, effect, bleh, the butterfly Effect was written and directed by Eric Bress and Jay Mackie Gruber. They created the TV series Kyle XY, which ran for three seasons from 2006 to 2009. Remember that show about the kid who didn't have a belly button? Oh, yeah. I don't know what it was about. I just know that from the preview. I'm pretty uh, sure he was an alien or a clone or some shit. I didn't watch it.
1: No, see, I've never seen that. i tried this one, I was like, what's the speak to it? You belly bun. Apparently, I was in a
0: minority there because it lasted three fucking seasons and had a following. So, Apparently, I think it got canceled and they had to like rush the ending. They're like, no. oh, by the way, he was this. <laughs> um, and they also. Hmm? So
1: nothing meets the shitty ending I had to sit through with Chilling at Adventures of Sabrina because Netflix just wouldn't give them a
0: fucking answer, and isn't they had a just, rush. Isn't that just the fucking worst when a show has to cobble together some half-assed ending because the 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 uh, channel didn't give them a heads up? It's really it's like just giving the heads up so they can do an actual ending at least. A show can be incredible the entire run. You have a bad ending. That's all anybody's ever going to talk about. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, luckily Sabrina's gonna get corrected. They're doing, um, I think it's called Coast of. Sabrina. I forget what it's called, but they're doing a comic continuation to make up for it. That never really works, though.
0: I mean, no, look at the X
1: Files. Yeah, not for the X Files, but it works, it's worked. It worked hella uh, good for Buffy. They're still going, I think. Well, Buffy didn't didn't have a bad ending. No, I didn't. But I'm just saying, like, it does work if it's done right so it could work for sabrina i know the showrunner is heavily involved with the
0: comic being a buffy i just read that um i love these tangents it's my favorite part of the show um <laughs> disney i guess they own buffy now oh motherfucker yeah go and on <laughs> i didn't know that i don't but know why that made me mad but go on <laughs> they're doing a uh, a book series a book trilogy about uh willow's daughter who's both a witch and a slayer And I'm intrigued. Buffy goes missing or something and she has to help find her at the, like it's the new Sunnydale. They rebuilt Sunnydale from that fucking crater. (laughs) And (laughs) I don't know, but I might get those. I liked the world of Buffy. So do I, I mean, I,
1: I need to read the comic continuation. because it was really good, but I read, uh, I read
0: most of season eight. I didn't get to the, uh, I, I, I was looking for one of them for years and I finally tracked it down and then I never, kept going. So I might have to just start over. It's been a while. Yeah.
1: they yeah. are kind of a bitch to get, like, say, so all I have all these different editions, and it's like, yeah, I figure out which to, uh but, uh, yeah, I remember when they were talking about reviving it, and no one was excited for it.
0: <laughs> yeah, and then, you know, Joss Whedon turned out to be an asshole, and now it's dead in the water, probably forever.
1: Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Like, between, like, the zero fanfare, like, the zero fan interest, and then the whole Joss Whedon scan, on like, Ah, good. Okay, if there's one thing that was right, we don't. We're not getting that Buffy revival. I'm sorry. Yeah. I don't, anyone can do it if it's not Sarah Michelle Gellar. She was so good in that show.
0: I agree. And now, you know, we'll just get the continuously remastered Buffy, where they make it widescreen and you can see the craft services table. Oh, God. I wish.
1: Uh, I wish they would do a, a like it right because you
0: can do X Files put off a fucking HD transfer for Christ's sake. That was. Beautiful. I, I remember seeing that for the first time, thinking, like, is this the same show? This looks gorgeous. Dude, I was watching on Netflix when they did it, and I didn't get the heads up that Netflix was, like, getting
1: it also. So I was watching, like, I think season three or four, and it just switched to fucking HD, and I was like, this wasn't looking that good before. <laughs> it <laughs> took me a minute. I was like, what what's going on here? And then I had read, oh, yeah, they're prepping the Blu-ray, and the streamers got the HD copies already to stream. Um so yeah it's it can be done just reason they fucked up with Buffy and I'm I going to hold out hoax. I would love to a Buffy blue race at one day
0: I haven't seen the remastered episodes but I just I love the idea that there could be this big emotional moment and then right off to the side you see like the key grip grabbing a donut <laughs> it's just that that image makes me laugh. A really a really disgruntled PA just flicking everyone off in the background just <laughs> I want to see, like, you know, like, Spike gets, you know, one of the characters, like, gets in a fight or gets killed or something. And then in the show, they're gone. But in the background, you see them, like, grabbing a Coke. (laughs) (laughs) Like, the actor's done for the day, so he's on his way out. (laughs) Oh, completely ruins the magic. (laughs) Really does. Turns it into a fucking school play. God, I'm really enjoying my show, Buffy, you
1: know, and also seeing the fucking PA in the background having his lunch.
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I wonder if Angel had the same problem. I don't think they attempted to do HD on that yet. Oh, well, I wonder what we'll see. Is there's – I, I we'll get, it's not the time, but I, I fucking love Angel. That There's something about that show that just resonated with me more than Buffy in some cases. I I like the first three seasons a lot. But then, like, season four was weird as fuck. Yeah, it was.
1: Like, I didn't, that was a weird storyline. And then five, like, you could tell, like, five would have been better had there been a sixth season. Like, that was clearly, like, a reboot for the show. Yeah. Like, a status quo reboot, but we never got that sixth season to complement it. So it's it's a
0: weird, it's also a very weird season to watch yeah I just think the character of Angel is a little bit more compelling than Buffy because like you know I love the idea of a bad guy cursed to be a good guy. Like that's such yeah. a cool concept. Yeah, well
1: and this, that show did him wonders because he did get a lot of uh, a lot more development in the show. Buffy like he had good development, but then there was that weird thing when like season five came around and they were pissed off about the merger that was happening. You know, when UPN was becoming WB, you know, the first merger, now they're CW, in case anyone yeah. knows WB history. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, like, I guess they got, like, pissy because, like, they were trying to, like, end Buffy, and they were like, no, we want to continue to be a part of the WB as well. And so they, like, had her die in season five.
0: So it was, like, a clear-cut ending, but then they still came back for a sixth season. Mm. I- I'm glad they did because – Five is a great ending for Buffy, but no one else gets any closure.
1: Yeah, like, but then like, I, look, me personally, I think really the only bad seasons like maybe the first one. Even then, I can sit through the first one. Yeah, but like, I can admit that yeah, there's a weird quality to season six and seven where it was like, I don't think they fully knew what to do because they were just like we were kind of trying to end it, but here we are, still with the show.
0: When, like, the character of Buffy had, like, been to heaven and pulled out of it. And she was all mentally fucked from that. And so, like, her soul was fractured. So it wasn't, like, she didn't have the same pep, like, the same lust for life. And then you had Dawn, and she was just a, the worst. Yeah,
1: she was annoying. And, I, I mean, I did, like, the eventual reveal. Because I was like, no, we're not going to talk about this sister all of a sudden. And they, you know, they did a reveal on that, which paid off, thankfully. But, yeah, she, her character herself was annoying.
0: Oh, it's been a long time, since so I got to talk about Buffy. Good times. I don't Watching up. that thing through the first time was a gift. I I I, I remember, like, I binged season six almost all in, like, one night. I I stayed up, like, the entire night because I was so into it. I'm like, holy shit. Dude, these two right. nerds might actually get her.
1: <laughs> Dude, I remember when I, like, for years, because I would always, you know, everyone, if you know me, I have told people, like, one like, of the first things you know about me is that, my number one crush of all time has been Sarah michelle geller because i used to watch buffy as a kid when my parents watched it and just watched her i didn't understand what the fuck was going on in the show they said there was this pretty blonde woman kicking ass and so when i went to college my the but my buddy ej who pops up randomly in the show mentioned um you know he, he found out he's like you should really watch it it was when i was on netflix at the time and he's like you should really chance it he goes i know it's Mainly because of your crush, but I think you're like it a lot. And I was like, okay. And I actually decided to just watch it this time. And yeah, I fell in love. I was like, as soon as I got off class, I'd go home and just watch Buffy. Fuck my social life. I wanted to watch
0: Buffy. <laughs> Personally, I always had a thing for Faith.
1: Uh Eliza Dushke?
0: Yeah. Yeah, she
1: was hot. She was really attractive. Chris McCovr was really attractive in both Buffy and
0: Angel, in my opinion. Good times. Good show. I remember I was hesitant to start Angel because my mom was a huge Buffy fan when she was uh, about my age. And uh, I remember as a kid watching her, she had season two and seven on DVD, weirdly. None, none of the other ones, just two and seven. <laughs> and so she would catch right. reruns. And uh, I remember the bad guy from season seven, Caleb. Like, I remember him. And I remembered like a moment where Angel shows up and like punches him. So I knew that was coming. I just didn't know when. And that was like it from the show. So I later on, I I watched it myself. and I was telling her all the stuff I was seeing. She's like, I remember that. Oh, I remember that, too. Oh, did you meet this person yet? Like, she was really excited that I was getting to see one of her favorite shows for the first time. And she never watched Angel. She couldn't get into it. So I was like, am I going to like this? And I fucking loved Angel from the first episode. (laughs) Uh,
1: Angel was really good. Like, I I think it got, I think it. Got ended a little too early. I should have definitely gotten sixth season, but I liked it. I think actually one of my favorite Angel moments is actually in the in Angel, non Buffy, when he tells Wesley he goes visit him in the hospital, and he's yeah. like, "I just want to know right now, this is Angel, non Angelus." And then he just yeah, he smears him with the pillows like, "Fuck, you took my please- son." <laughs> that was that was rough. <laughs> At, yeah, because, yeah, you're used to if he does anything bad, he's Angelus. When, you know, he's a completely good hearted human being yeah. or vampire. When he's angel. And then when he tells him, like, this is me right now, not Angelus.
0: My favorite arc was when the Beast showed up to fuck up L.A. and no one knew anything about him except Angelus. So they had to get him back so he could tell them about the Beast and just getting to see David Boreanaz be that character again was so creepy and satisfying.
1: He, like, because, you know, like, the build-up
0: to Angelus, man, like, how he's this big, bad vampire that
1: everyone was scared of. I think even Spike was like, oh, shit. Yeah, he's the most evil, sadistic bastard who ever lived. Yeah, I give that – I give both shows credit for actually paying that off, and David Boyan's credit for his performance in paying that off. Like, as soon as he would click into Angelus, he felt you're like, yeah, I wouldn't want to fuck with this guy. So I think like I think my second, like actually my favorite comedic moment with them is when he has the shotgun in that <laughs> line. Uh-oh, vampire with a shotgun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, just the idea that they had to break Fa- like faith broke out of prison to stop Angelus. Like she was full and like, I'm gonna be here to serve my time. I did the wrong thing. I'm a better person. And Wesley's just like Angelus is back and she's just like step away from the glass <laughs> and jumps through and she gets to hunt him. It was so fucking cool, man. Like just as a longtime fan, I was like, "This is neat." <laughs> good times, damn! I might rewatch now. Once I start talking about this shit, it gets in my head, and I just want to see it again. Both well, just good shows. I could rewatch those all day. Oh, I've done them both like four or five times at this point. It's comfort food. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember how we got there, but that was fun. <laughs> Uh, Anyway, Eric Bress and Jay Mackie Gruber, they also wrote Final Destination 2. So, yeah. And one of them wrote The Final Destination separately, not the team. How do they write one of the best horror sequels and then one of the worst horror sequels within the same franchise? (laughs) I think because they wrote one as a team and the other one, one of them did solo. So clearly the talent lies in the other guy. Because I love Final
1: Destination 2, but The Final Destination... Is honestly to me the only bad one in the entire series. It's the only one where if I
0: when I marathon, I'm just like, ah, fuck. That's one franchise I still have to watch. I've seen the first one, but I haven't seen the rest of them. I
1: enjoy it. I had there's there was talks going on for a while that they're trying to revamp it, but I don't know where that's at anymore.
0: I don't know. You'd think with you know, today everything's getting a second, third, fourth chance. Why not Final Destination?
1: Yeah, and it's weird that. It hasn't because the last movie was a box office success. Like, yeah. it wasn't a flop, it was a hit, and they just never made a sixth movie. So it's like, it's not like, you know, the Saw franchise, which is most I love it. They've continuously now twice tried to revive it and hasn't been that hot at the box office. This is a franchise that's done really well, and they just haven't tried again. I don't understand.
0: I feel like this would work well as like an American horror story style anthology show.
1: Oh, yeah. That might be. I mean, I'm sure when we actually do the Foundation episode, we can one day we'll talk about it. But as you can probably know, it was actually ran for an X Files episode. Yeah, I remember hearing about that. So, and then, I'm, I'm,
0: yeah,
1: it was originally ran for TV. They could go back.
0: Yeah, or we could just wait till David Gordon Green has some time on his hands because he seems to be the go-to guy for the horror reboot these days.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's just reviving everything.
0: <laughs> um, Ashton Kutcher stars as Evan Trayborn, time traveler. Kutcher became a star thanks to his role as dumbass stoner Michael Kelso on That 70s Show, uh, which I I used to watch. It was funny. I never like watched the whole thing, but I caught episodes here and there. It's funny. That's a funny show.
1: I did like him in That 70s Show. He was funny in that show. When he gets yeah. to play like dumb, dumb, I do think he excels with the comedy in that ex- aspect. He's very good at it. Um,
0: but yeah, I, I like that Simon show. It's a good show. He's really good at the like the blank, brainless stare. Where he's just like, you know, like, oh. <laughs> like there's nothing. To go, you know, the wheel's turning, but the hamster's dead. That kind of that kind of look. <laughs> yeah, he's really good at that. <laughs> um, some of his notable film roles include Dude, Where's My Car? Guess who? The Guardian, Jobs, No Strings Attached, and the Netflix series The Ranch, which he did for a few seasons with fellow that '70s show star Danny Masterson, who is currently in prison facing a rape trial. So, yeah, just, yeah,
1: not harassment, not anything. It's legit rape.
0: Yep, he is a monster. I hope he rots. Like five hundred uh, came forward, if I remember the count. <laughs> always forget ashton kutcher did a steve jobs biopic that went nowhere
1: yeah and that yeah that one i've heard makes things about um i have also seen the ranch i've seen the early seasons that he's good in that too he does really i mean he does good with tv comedy like he definitely could have a fruitful career doing sitcoms um not replacing someone like he did in two and a half men um yeah but uh you know in that same show on the ranch. He, yeah, I liked him in the ranch. He played a really good he played well with at the time
0: his co star and Sam Elliott. So, do you know if that show got canceled because of Danny Masterson or did he just get no, kicked off of it? He just got kicked off
1: and they wrote in a new character. I don't think it was like a family relation, they just kind of got a new character in there.
0: Nice, yeah, smart. Uh, Amy Smart plays Kaylee Miller, the love of Evan's life who he didn't think about for like 20 years. And then one day realizes I've loved this woman all my life. <laughs> Seemed a little forced, whatever. Uh, she's appeared in such films as just friends, rat race, road trip, mirrors, crank, and the TV series star girl as Barbara Whitmore. Uh, I always remembered her from, you know, as a kid, I watched rat race a lot. I really liked that movie when I was a kid. Uh, the Google guys just did that show by the uh, that that movie, by the way, recently. So check out their episode. It's a hilarious movie and she just kind of ends up in it. <laughs> it's she's not one of the people chosen for the race. She just ends up with Breck and Meyer, and they decide to go after this together. But she starts the movie off as like a cool collected pilot who takes him over Vegas uh, in a helicopter and then decides to go by her boyfriend's house to see how he's doing. And he's like getting blown in the pool by some like the neighbor girl or something. And she freaks out and like flies over them with the helicopter. It's fucking crazy. <laughs> but she reveals herself to be completely insane. <laughs> it's, it's a funny movie.
1: Okay. I'm, I'm mostly familiar. Before I saw this, I was actually mostly familiar with her with crank. which probably yeah. isn't the best because like her notable scenes that she gets railed by Jason Statham in front of a bus of Asian school children for some reason. <laughs> was, was that in the first or second one? That was in the first one. The second one, she gets rolled again by Statham during a horse race.
0: Jesus Christ.
1: <laughs> Those movies are fucking insane, but they're fun. They are a lot of fun. And, you know, besides the scene of her getting plowed by Statham, <laughs> she's really good in that. I, I've always, like, what I've seen her in, I like. She always has, like, a certain like uh, prison daughter that's enjoyable to watch. Yeah. Um, I've been, I actually recently watched the first season of Stargirl, and she's really good in it. And I remember when she popped up, I was like, holy shit, same smart. I haven't seen her in forever. And yeah, no, she's good. She's so very attractive, very talented actress. So
0: before I started paying attention to names, I used to get her and Jenna Elfman mixed up a lot. Of course, now I don't. Um, Do you ever see Just Friends? No. It's Early Ryan Reynolds and Amy Smart and it is really funny. It has no business being that funny. He plays it's it starts out in high school where he's the chubby nerd with like a retainer and a like fro and everything. Just the worst look you can have in high school. And his best friend is Amy Smart and he's in love with her. And he confesses this love in the in her yearbook and then some jock asshole find, you know finds it at a party and reads it to everybody. And he gets rejected by her and this rejection for it leads him to become a like super jacked ladies, man later on where he's like a, you know, millionaire who's dating a super high maintenance uh, pop star played by Anna Ferris. And uh, <laughs> he ends up uh, in his old town due to like a plane. His plane has to land in a snowstorm and he ends up back in the old town and he meets Amy smart again. And he immediately falls for her again. But now Like she's with some douchebag, or no, she's single, but he still can't talk to her. Like he goes right back to being the chubby kid from high school. And it was a really funny, touching movie, and I was surprised how much I liked
1: it. Okay, yeah, she she had a really good run in like the early to mid two thousands. Yeah, because like you know, she was kind of like like a really she was very again very talented. I actually think she's a pretty good actress. But she also, like, she was very, like, she was a, she, she's pretty. She's a very beautiful woman. And so she played a lot of those types of roles, but it worked for her. Got her a hell of a career and still going. I mean, she now has a successful show that she's in. So Stargo's coming back for season two.
0: Well, I noticed she also does a lot of voices on Robot Chicken, which is cool. And I, I saw her name a lot. I'm, I'm, I've been binging the show, and I see her name in the credits a lot.
1: Dude, Seth Green gets some amazing fucking names and her like, So I'm sure Geller pops up on the credits a
0: lot. Yeah. She's played Buffy a few times. <laughs> I was I watching, I was watching one. I love that Seth McFarlane plays Santa Claus. Just I don't know why, but that makes me laugh. And there was one where they were like, you know, it's in one of the premiere episodes where they always get canceled the season before and they have to like figure it out. Well, they go to talk to Seth McFarlane and they're like, look, it's Seth McFarlane, creator of American Dad. And he goes, whoa, 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 please creator a family guy please <laughs> i don't know why it just that made me laugh i remembered that Dude, robot chicken's great i fucking love that show i still laugh at the
1: kratos one when they made fun of like you know the first we God of wars they asked like the sex mini game Now <laughs> pleasure your lovers uh they're all dudes <laughs> i know <laughs> I it's like, Seth Green just grabs all his friends in Hollywood to voice that role, because always, like, you see the same names pop up constantly.
0: If you, like, really watch that show. I remember one where it was, uh, the like, Batman had just fought the Joker, and Joker was in court, and he's like, you know, I'm just going to get off again and do it again, and Mark Hamill was the Joker, which was great. And the judge decided to be harsh and gave him death. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. (laughs) And he's like, what? And he's like about to be executed. And he's like, I want to live. No, I'm sorry. Like, he he, he completely panics. (laughs) It was so dark, but it was really funny. Have you seen the one where the gummy bear has to like
1: bite off his own foot? I'm a gummy bear. Oh, God, no, no.
0: Oh, my God. I just watched the one where um, it was Toy Story. But like Andy was in high school, and he like shows up to plow some chick, and they're all like, "What?" And he forgot his bong, so he takes buzz and like rips his brain out and turns him into a bong, and he ends up like mentally just like freaked out, like fucked up. And Woody's like, "You know, good night, sweet prince," and smothers him with a pillow. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> that show gets so so dark out
1: of like nowhere. Oh, boy.
0: Good stuff. (laughs) Um, The last actor I want to bring up is um, Eldon Henson, who plays Lenny, the poor, disturbed, accidental baby killer who gets the short end of the stick every single time (laughs) Evan time travels. Uh, Henson is known, uh, I'd say mostly these days, for playing Foggy Nelson on Netflix's Daredevil, and he's appeared in such films as Idle Hands, The Mighty Ducks, Lords of Dogtown and the final two Hunger Games movies, and I fucking hated him in Daredevil. Um, at least the first two seasons that I watched. Just if I found out my best friend had superpowers, the last thing I'd feel is betrayed. <laughs> like, why do they always do that in superhero movies and TV shows? Like, how could you not tell me? Like, it's the he's a superhero. <laughs> <There's> guys, <laughs> that, guys are trying to kill me. That's par for the that's course. <laughs> So you but then the kingpin of- foggy. <laughs> I'd be more like, like, so you're not really blind, huh, asshole? <laughs> like that, that's what I'd be more pissed about. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. I just I thought his character was. I, I preferred John Favreau in the 2003 movie because he was just a, a bro, like a buddy.
1: <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen either in so long. Like as soon as I got done with season three, don't ever
0: have not gone back to it. So. I have a soft spot for the 2003 movie. Uh, some about that movie, just I enjoy it. I, it makes me happy to watch. Maybe because I, you know, I, I saw it for the first time when I was eight. And I loved comic book movies. I didn't care if they were good or bad. I just, I loved all of them. And some of them just stuck around.
1: Yeah, I mean, hey, I'm glad you like it. I, I don't. I think the most I took out from that was like, I thought I the chick that at the time I did not know her name. I was like, oh, the chick who plays Electra's hot. Kimono teenager, you know, and then I sat, then I learned her name and I sat through the electromere and went, Oh my god, this is bad. I never did watch Electra, I did have standards. Um, I don't, I don't have standards, I would watch anything and it usually bites me in the ass.
0: I didn't watch Electra and I didn't watch Catwoman, and I'm very happy about that. I've seen both, I've seen the Bye Bye Man, who that was by I you know the guy who did Daredevil, same director as Ghost Rider. That guy should probably stop touching comic books. Yeah, don't get from comic books. <laughs> um, the Butterfly Effect has an IMDb score of seven point six, Rotten Tomato score of thirty three percent. Despite being a critical failure, it was a commercial success, grossing ninety six million on a on a budget of thirteen million. It spawned two direct to video sequels and has since been reclaimed as a cult classic. Uh, you don't often see a, dis- a huge disparity like that between IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes, seven point six versus thirty three percent.
1: It's yeah, it's insane because like everyone I know who's seen it actually really likes it. And It's kind of on me, well, defending like no, this is actually a pretty good movie. And it's funny too, like you say with the critics, like yeah, you know they hated it, but when I was doing my own research, like oddly enough, a lot of critics are coming around to it now, yeah, and, and like maybe we were too harsh on this. I think what ha- I, I firmly believe that what happens is that they just want more to hate on because was Ashton Kutcher, and no one could fathom seeing him
0: in a movie like this. It's crazy that, that, you know, so many films fall victim to the bandwagon that if you, it, some movies become cool to hate without ever actually watching it, I feel like the butterfly effect fell under that. And I remember yeah. for years hearing people say this was dog shit. But then I watched it, and I'm like, this is actually pretty good. Like, Did anybody actually give this a chance? (laughs) Yeah, I
1: I do the same thing. I remember, like, I I told someone, like, oh, yeah, I picked up the butterfly effect on Blu-ray for, like, ten bucks, and, like, oh, why would you buy that? I I'm like, this is a good fucking movie. Like, I don't, like, it's, I think there's just, like, like you said, people like to hate on things a lot, even if they haven't seen it. You know, it's kind of like, obviously, I like using, like, Nickelback as, like, the example, like, People hate on them, yet they are still, like, a commercially successful band. So, like, how much do you really hate them, America? Because they're still going strong. Um, same with, like, a movie like this. Like, I think people just, like, just, like, there's this weird thing I've noticed. Where, like, Ashton Kircher, man, like, it's love it or hate it for a lot of people. I think a lot of people here, like, oh, he did this make up the butterfly effect where he's not being funny. Ew. And it's like, how about you actually watch it and give it a chance? It's a, it's a really smart, clever film that I will defend it anyone.
0: You know, when that 70s show came out, I never would have thought that Mila Kunis would be the one who had the most successful post-career. <laughs> Just, I don't think anyone did. Hmm? I don't think anyone did, much less that her and Ashley Kutcher are married now in real life. It's kind of touching that they you know found each other again later in life, ended up married. That's, that's sweet. Whatever happened to Topher Grace? You remember him?
1: Yeah, he pops up randomly, man. Like I'll be like, "What I'm doing?" Then I'll watch him. Like, "Hey, it's Topher Grace." That whole cast. Like, whatever happened to that? The guy who played Fez? I don't know. He really did not have much of a career afterwards. I know he was, I think, Bob the Builder. He was on some cartoon for a while, and then that ended. It wasn't Bob the Builder. It was like, I forget, it was some kid show that he was on for a while and then it ended. Um And then the chick that played Donna, I mean, she had she had oranges and Black, but that's over. I think she popped up on the ranch here
0: and there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> who was that guy who replaced Tover Grace in, like, the last season? I feel his names. So I've never seen him since then. <laughs> I don't even know who the hell that guy was. Nobody did. Nobody cared.
1: No one cared. We don't want for Grace, but you know, he wanted to be a big fucking movie career guy.
0: Nobody likes a cousin Oliver. (laughs) Do you even get that reference?
1: Yeah, no, it's a that's that's from the Brady Bunch. Good man. Uh, Two points for you. You can get that reference. Wow. Wow. Little gatekeeper question
0: there, buddy. You gave me a blank stare. What am I supposed to work with? I knew what you were talking about. Oh. So the butterfly effect. Uh, <laughs> let's finally talk about this movie because <laughs> we've kind of been talking about Buffy and Robot Chicken the whole time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so right off the bat, the first like 20 minutes to a half hour of this movie are, oh, Jesus Christ, like so uncomfortably dark.
1: Um, yeah, it, this movie really hammers on that he did not have the best uh, up, upbringing and not, well, not... <sighs> Not like his mom was a bad mom. She looked like she was a good mom doing her best. He's around himself with some not so great friend. Sochi friends are fine. One friend.
0: Why would you hang around a fucking psycho like that?
1: I don't know. I think because, like, you can tell, like, him, you know, obviously him and Leora have, like, a thing for each other. I really feel like in that friendship, it's only because that, you know, that was her brother. He probably didn't. I don't think anyone else would have stood stood for his shit.
0: Yeah, it's rough. So we get to meet Evan and Kaylee and Tommy and Lenny because every group of kids in every movie since the dawn of time it has to have a fat kid and uh, at least one girl and at least one fat kid. That's the rule. I don't make the rules. I just watch them. Ends the rules. (laughs) Look at it. The Goonies. The Sandlot. Stand by me. There's always a fat kid. (laughs) There's always a fat kid. Anyway. (laughs) I get it. When I was, you know, I was the fat kid. I get it. It's a noble tradition. I don't know what I'm fucking talking about anymore. Where are we going with this? Like, I don't have a, I don't have an end to this. So
1: <laughs> just keep doing what you're doing. No, no, what we call you all for Hollywood when it comes to
0: diversity and sexism and all that stuff. Maintain the fat kid. Maintain the fat kid. That is great advice. We gotta print a t shirt that says that. Hashtag. So you have to hashtag everything. Hashtag maintain the fat kid. Hashtag fat kid. <laughs> anyway, I forgot my point. <laughs> um, yeah, so they're friends. Uh, they're all kids, like thirteen years old, uh, and we get to see that. Oh, when they're seven, uh, we get to see them get diddled by Eric Stoltz. So that's that's rough. We get implied. Like, let's be
1: like here. If you haven't seen the movie, you don't actually see it, but it is fucking damn
0: near said. It happens. It straight up happens. He, he, you right know it happens. Kids. Yeah,
1: you know it happens. Luckily, obviously, film has to be a movie doesn't show you. Thank God.
0: But you know yeah. what happens. If this movie straight up showed child rape, there, that would be what we'd be talking about right now. Would we wouldn't have watched this movie. This movie would have been buried. <laughs> yeah, extremely. Um, but it's weird seeing Eric Stoltz as a kitty diddler because that, that just makes sense. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to shit on Eric Stoltz, but it does it just make sense. The casting worked. I was like, to his credit, he's really good in the role. Yes. Well, and then later on, when he when Ashton Kutcher goes to his house to like, you know, demand Kaylee's address, he looks exactly like like his character from Pulp Fiction, which he, had me laughing so hard. He looked exactly like Lance. He had the robe, he had the hair. And he just as that's in his contract, he has to have that attire for every movie he's in now. I hope it's so. Like Pulp Fiction. God, did you ever see the uh, original footage from Back to the Future when Eric Stoltz was cast as Marty McFly? Oh yeah, it's weird. It's oh, so weird. off. Yeah, I love that they actually went to him and said, "Like, look, Eric, you're just not that funny. Like, you're fired." <laughs> I mean, Jesus, that that must have hurt. And then, you know, he never had a really—I mean, he had a career, but nowhere near as big as Michael J. Fox had. Yeah, true. Very true. <laughs> Goddamn, poor Eric Stoltz.
1: Well, you know what? That's- as weird as it is to say it, he is good in this movie. I'm not going to say crushes or kills it because I really want to avoid puns with it. The subject matter. But he's good in the role.
0: Eric Stoltz, you didn't fuck this up. You really hung in there. You played a hell of a kitty diddler. And let's not forget Mask. Good for that, too. Good job. So, yeah, there you go. There's your Eric Stoltz praise. Um. So we get to see the diddling. Or we don't see the diddling, thank God. But we know about get the, the implied diddling. diddling.
1: You're aware of the diddling. We
0: are aware of it, yes. I really want to
1: reference that you don't actually see it because I really don't want to scare people off from this movie.
0: You don't no see actually. anything, but it happened. <laughs> yeah. um, except for, was Lenny there too? I don't think Lenny was there. He wasn't because this is when it was just uh, it Kaylee,
1: there. Evan, and um, Tommy. Psycho, Tommy. Jesus Christ. Tommy. it's implied like Lenny came to the group later
0: okay so when they're teenagers or early teenagers like 13 um, they decide they find a fucking stick of dynamite in Kitty Diddler dad's basement and they decide to blow up a mailbox and they put a time release fuse on this thing with a cigarette and mommy shows up to check the mail with a baby and they kill the fucking baby with with dynamite (laughs)
1: Let me point out, a lot of what's happening right now, the film, Smartly, does not actually show you any of this. Like, this initial scene, you actually don't... I don't think you see the... You don't see the mom and the baby initially. It's all their reaction, and then it cuts later. Because the film sets up for later, so there's a lot of uh, cutting ahead, which I yeah. first you're like, what the fuck? Why are we doing this? Yeah. But again, it's actually... The film being very smart, knowing what they're going to do later, it's setting up for The
0: fill-ins later when you actually start to travel Well and throughout All this you see that Evan has uh, Blackouts where he forgets Traumatizing moments Of his life Uh, So we don't actually see what happens with the Dynamite we just see Lenny Is catatonic and they're all Saying you know we never speak of this again So Evan doesn't know what Happened he just knows something really bad Happened yeah he
1: even has the Line when he's like hey what happened like he comes to He's like "What, what, what happened what's going on and, um, you know, when uh, the, they get Lenny, they're taking him to the hospital, and his mom's like, you can't blame your blackouts, and he's crying, and like, no, I really don't remember. So, and that's, uh, again, was also a really small way for them to, obviously, I know they weren't going to do it, but just never, just imply that diddler stuff, because, right, he blacks out, right? You have it to, where, like, the dad's like, hey, let's go to the basement and get the camera, and then it fucking cuts does that cutting in and they're in the basement and he's just like,
0: what's going on? So messed up. So we're already 20 minutes in and we've got, you know, thematically, we've got diddling and a dead baby. So we're doing yeah. just great. Yeah. Should point out, you don't know about the dead baby initially, but you know something bad happened. Yes. Uh, then we go to the movies. It's 1995. So all the kids are seeing seven. See and you see seven. Somehow. yeah, And of course, Tommy's an asshole. He talks during the movie. He's screaming, look at that fat fuck. Because he's just the worst human being on any level. Yes. Uh, he also uses some other choice words that we can. We will not say. Mm-hmm. We're not Matt Damon. We stopped using these words a while ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. For If you want to know what the hell that means, just Google Matt Damon and it'll be the first thing that pops up. Uh, so... Evan and Kaylee decide to go out in the lobby, have a little smooch. Tommy sees this and is like, the fuck? How could you, my best friend, who's so obviously attracted to my sister, be kissing my sister? How could you do this to me? And then, like, some kid knocks him over, so he grabs a pole and just fucks this kid up. I was going to say, can we talk about that? Because every time, I've seen this movie a couple of times,
1: and that still gets me. I'm like, how, he is effective at taking this kid out. Like, doesn't look at him. It's like a John Wick moment. Just doesn't look at the guy, grabs the pole, shoves it into his face, and
0: starts beating the shit out of him. I don't remember. This kid's like 11. And this this guy was like at least three feet taller than him. And he just yeah, fucked him up with a pole. The,
1: yeah, it's implied the guy who tricked him it had to be, I would I put him at like 16, 17. Yeah. Like earliest. And it's like 11, 12 year old fucks him
0: up. And the girlfriend's just like, stop
1: eating him! Oh, my God.
0: And then as punishment for Evan kissing his sister, he fucking steals Evan's dog, throws him in a sack, and lights the sack on fire. What the fuck?
1: Yeah, now this part, along so there was a good thing, right? When I first watched I was like, oh, my God, Jesus. Obviously, again, you don't initially know what the fuck happened with the mailbox you run later. So it wasn't until we got to this, I went, oh, my God. What is this fucking... I'm when I initially was like, "Dude, what is this movie?" Like, I have I know
0: there's been diddling, and now there's a dead dog. But what am I in for here? This is the darkest shit. And I'm thinking like, we're this is the beginning. We haven't even seen Ashton Kutcher yet, except for that brief moment at the beginning. Like, what is this? And yeah, uh, Tommy is like, you know, stay a fuck away from my sister. Uh, the dog is burned. Um, I don't remember the fallout from that. I think shortly after that, uh, Evan moves away with mom. because mom's like, I heard what happened with the dynamite. I know it was you. It's on the news. Yeah. I know it was you, Evan. You broke my heart. Not quite that dramatic, but <laughs> it was, uh, you know, they have to get out of there. Oh, Evan met his dad, who is a committed schizophrenic who tried to strangle him.
1: Brother, yeah. Again, in the movie, being smart doesn't tell you shit. It's setting up. So, all you see is him go to me as dad. And then next thing you know, it cuts to him being choked out by his committed father. you like, yeah. yeah. And again, you're sitting there going, oh my God, it's like only 30 minutes in. It was also that scene, that other little scene when Evans just holding the knife in the kitchen randomly. Mm-hmm. Yep. And you're like, I remember just watching, like, again, it was like this weird mixture of like, when I first watched this, just going, what the fuck am I watching?
0: And why do I want to keep watching? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I kind of want to know, like, is this going to get better? Is it like, not is the movie going to get better, but like, are things going to get better? <laughs> like, are these people going to be okay? I mean, damn, it's a rough day. <laughs> I don't think it all happened in one day. I mean, Jesus. I, imagine?
1: <laughs> Jesus, that was one day. So how did your day go? Well, uh, I got diddled, uh, killed a baby, and... <laughs> Kissed my best friend's sister who didn't to get retaliation by killing my dog.
0: That's how my day went. You're just like, Jesus Christ. All right. I'm going to walk away. Also, drew a knife on my mom and got strangled by my dad. So what do you want to do tomorrow? <laughs> it can only go up from here. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it could get worse. Holy hell. Um, so Evan moves away, tells Kaylee, I'll come back for you. Spoiler. He fucking doesn't. And He ends up in college.
1: That's awesome. It came out in 2004, so getting able to reach out again to people was a little bit tougher.
0: She never left that town.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, her whole dad situation, the original
0: timeline. Well, he could have tried harder. He knew the situation. He knew what she was living with with dad and Tommy.
1: Yeah, I'll give you that. I at the same time, I understand just someone who's gone through life, he just like, he probably just moved on.
0: I'm sure there was stuff there we didn't see. Yeah. He's like, I got to be a psych major at so and so state. And he, uh, yeah, he's Ashton Kutcher now, which is awesome. He's now, you know, he grew into Ashton Kutcher. It's got to be a bonus when that happens to you. He grew into a stoner looking college Ashton Kutcher because
1: Kutcher nails the look of like, being in college with like the hair and the beard and the
0: lanky appearance, like yeah, this is a guy that doesn't have a lot of money for food, and that's why he smoked quite a bit. The only thing I don't buy, I'm like, this, I I know this is, this is going to sound a little uh, elitist, but I'm looking at this guy and I'm thinking this this guy's no grad student. <laughs> <laughs> wow, we're not you know, that shaggy. You know, Kutcher's like a super successful businessman. <laughs> well, Evan trayborn is fuck all. So, my point stands. <laughs> I did read that Ashton Kutcher is uh, heavily involved in helping save uh, young women from human trafficking across the world. He's been very uh, involved in that, which is pretty admirable. I do want to point that out. I yeah, Rhino is actually a pretty upstanding guy. That's what I hear. Yeah, She's good. I know that Mila Kunis talked him out of going to space recently. Really? Yeah, he was considering it and she's like, You have two kids. Like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Did you hear they uh, they said that their kids wouldn't uh, have to work for
1: their own money? They're not they're not trying to give them handouts. Oof.
0: One of well, them is gonna die.
1: Yeah. Well, <laughs> and they were like, Are you serious? And they, they said they're like both of us started out with nothing and worked to get what we have. We want our kids to learn the same thing. Which you know what? I kind of respect that. There's too many. Rich people really? are just like, yeah, have this trust fund, so you're fine for life. You don't have to live like the peons. So the fact that they're like, no, you have to like learn how to get your own money. I can I respect that parody when it comes to rich people.
0: Jackie Chan's the same way. He said that uh, his reasoning was, I earned all of this money. I was a Chinese pop star. I was the most famous martial artist in the world. My kids didn't do shit. <laughs> they didn't earn a penny of that. I mean, I'm paraphrasing, but that's pretty much what he said. Like, I earned this. This is Jackie Chan's money. They can fuck off. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's pretty much what it is. They're like, look, this is me, like Kunis, and Ashton Kutcher's money, and now we're married, so it's our money, but it's not your money. You have to earn
0: your money. Oh my god, I love that. I I do. I think that's cool. I'd hate to be their kids. we like, you know, they're going to like super Hollywood you know, LA 90210 prep school and everyone else is like, you know, driving daddy's Bentley and they've got like a $600 clunker that they bought from their like paper route money. <laughs> like, aren't, isn't your, aren't your parents Mila Kunis and Ashton Kutcher? And they're like, yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> like, no follow-up just like, yeah, I know.
1: <laughs> that's, that's great. All, all those kids have like PlayStation fives, or they're, they're having to like tune in every time there's like a, a stock announcement because
0: <laughs> they won't get it for them. <laughs> He's got like a PS3 with the case missing. <laughs> I it works, but only if you like tilt it a certain way. <laughs>
1: you know what? I'm not even. I'm not even sad about this. I hope that's their outcome because you know what. I firmly believe, like obviously, rich rich people like they live on a different fucking planet than us. Let's just be honest. Yeah, but that's why I said I really respect the ones that teach their kids. Like, you need to respect the fact that you're part of the one percent. You need to respect that, and you need to work for it, and also not be a dick to those that aren't. Because guess what? Ninety nine percent of the goddamn country is not like that.
0: Nice. I really hope they're bestowing those good. I just love that she, he wanted to go to space and she's like, "Sit the fuck down." <laughs> like, no, you're not going to space.
1: <laughs> no, you're going to do your business ventures and
0: act in movies occasionally. You ain't going to space. In movies occasionally, that's that's great. <laughs> that's pretty apt. Um, I love Evan's super goth roommate, <laughs> played by oh, um, Ethan Subley. Cuba.
1: Thumper. Yeah, he. Uh, I remember when I first saw this. Um, as you know, I'm a big Boy Meets Ward fan. He was the bully in Boy Meets Ward for the first couple of seasons. So when I saw, him, I was like, "Oh shit!" I was like, "It's the bully." Good to see him still doing stuff. Apparently, he'd be like a, 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 a obese goth ladies' man.
0: I know. I like. What is this fucker's secret? <laughs> like, he has like. He is like chick repellent. But somehow, every night, I don't I don't get it. What's his secret? Like, what shampoo does he use? Like, I want to know. I love,
1: the, I love how there was that throwaway line when uh, they walked into Evan's apartment or dorm, and she's like, oh, it smells like sex in there. He's like, yeah, Thumper had a fun afternoon. She goes, she said, the, like, what was it, like, really, him? And he's like, I see, like, a charming nice guy or whatever comment he said. It was like that quick throwaway of, like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I did like also, when you, yeah, I was gonna say I did like when you got at the frat guys at the bar. I love that part so
0: much. That <laughs> was fucking crazy. Breaks their beer like what the fuck, and he just breaks the pool cue and just glares at him. He <laughs> just sit down. Damn, <laughs> that's that was that was pretty awesome. Like you know, I'm a huge evolution fan. So when I first saw this, I was like, head and shoulders. <laughs> Like, that's how I know this guy. <laughs> oh, boy. Have you seen his transformation lately? No. Has he lost weight? He dropped, like, 500 pounds. Like, he's a jacked eight-pack bodybuilder now. Like, Ooh, he looks does fantastic. He does he start mm-hmm. act or like – Does he act or do something else? I think he's been focusing on, you know, his health. But now that he's, like, back to – you know, he's, he's at full power, I think, maybe. God but uh, Google Ethan Supley weight loss, and he looks fucking impressive. He looks like Jesse Ventura. <laughs> pretty Jesse, wild. the body, Ventura? The body, that's right. <laughs> he looks like a sexual tyrannosaurus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, one of my oh. favorite movie quotes of all time.
1: There's another one that's a favorite, but it involves a word I can't say on the podcast.
0: I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah,
1: in the the helicopter. Yeah, (laughs) bunch of slack, Jordan.
0: Yeah, (laughs) slack, Jordan. I'm out here. It's a really goddamn sexual tyrannosaurus, just like me. (laughs) Uh, I remember watching something. I don't remember who said it, but like when he gets killed, uh. Some, somebody said like I guess this is where the sexual Tyrannosaurus went extinct <laughs> I don't remember what the hell that was from But it was great
1: That's
0: <laughs> oh. <good>. Oh. <laughs> oh boy we gotta get Predator on this show At some point soon
1: That would be such a fun movie to do yeah, I wait till I'm like moved in with Josh because that'll be a fun one to watch with them, and actually, if I have all three of us.
0: Oh fuck yeah! Anyway, um, yeah. so Evan, <laughs> Evan, um, we learned has been keeping journals since he was a kid, and this girl he brings up to his apartment wants him to read from the journals, and he starts reading about the time that psycho kid killed his dog, and she's like, "Keep going, I'm loving this." what the fuck (laughs) look look, man as
1: someone that's now 28 and i've you know i've had my stories if anyone i ever brought over was like keep bringing this super troublesome part of your life to me i'd be like get out no
0: (laughs) well this is the first time he passes out and revisits the past and he starts thinking like oh he should he does it again later and accidentally burns his chest with a cigarette and then he goes back to the present and he's got a cigarette burn. So he yeah. starts learning like, holy shit, I'm not dreaming. I'm going to the past. Can I change things? I do. I do like when the first time he, he wakes
1: up and she says like, so it's just, are we still doing this? Like she's clearly still game. And he's all like, "Not nah, get the fuck out of here. And just runs out the door.
0: What? Like how long has she been there? Just waiting for him to wake up. Like it's she nighttime now. She was like, this is Ashton Kutcher, guys. <laughs> Would have been hilarious if she, like, he woke, he woke up and she was in bed with Thumper. <laughs> like that dude's like sexual magnetism is off the fucking charts. That's his hereditary gift. <laughs> <laughs> He's a sexual Tyrannosaurus,
1: man. i Just... <laughs> <God> damn right. <laughs> Which, before we go further with this, this leads to the first of many times um, that we see the outcome of Lenny because he goes rushing down to go f- talk to Lenny. Um, And, you know, too. I know he, he bugged him. He, we had the thing about how he bugged you in uh, Daredevil. He crushes it in this movie. Oh,
0: I got no he, issues with the actor whatsoever. It was the character of Foggy Nelson. I couldn't see. Yeah. It. He's, a, he's a great actor. Yeah, and
1: like here he fucking crushes it in every single scene that you have to see his outcome. And like the scene when he, you know, there's just something so sad when you go to when he gets to his room and you see that he has mentally stayed in that moment. Yeah, he's physically grown, but mentally he hasn't gone past it. And like that oh. scene when he pushes Ashton push Kutcher against the wall and starts so reciting the lines that uh Tommy said to him, you're like, oh my, like I don't know, it like it hits, it really hits.
0: Oh, I mean, if you stuck a stick of dynamite in a mailbox and blew up a baby, I, I, I would never be able to live with myself. I would mentally shut down. So I get yeah. it. No, I get it.
1: But it's like it really like you start again. This to me, along with getting that first kind of like, OK, here we go. This is why he's been blacking out. He can go back. We all start getting the first of many just bleak. Like this is how life has gone for these people since. Yeah.
0: And- Kay- Kaylee's been trapped at a diner where she gets groped all the time and can't do anything about it. Uh, Tommy's in prison. Uh, their lives are just fucked. Debbie's yeah. the only one who got out.
1: And then, again, talking about the Kaylee thing, where I talked about, like, when I mentioned earlier, this film, to me, has the most realistic depiction of like life and how things can happen in an instant. That Kaylee scene is actually one of the scenes I was, ref- I was thinking of when I said that, because, you know, to a regular person watching a movie, right, it seems kind of weird. Like, he goes to meet her, he brings up that old shit. She gets mad. And the next thing you know, he gets the phone call that she killed herself. So anyone else would be like, well, that's a weird movie development. But no, again, to me, it works really well because that's life. It's almost like the movie referencing to, like really reinforcing that life can be just fucking chaos. And it can, anything can happen in an instant. And one moment you can be talking to someone you haven't talked to in years. And then within the same day, you get a phone call that because you trashed up this old shit, she killed herself. And, it, like, again, you know, that with the whole scene with Lenny, it, it hits, man. It Like, it really
0: hits. And you're just like, oh, my fucking God. Yeah, I agree with you, man. And it makes sense. You know, she's been repressing this for years. She's been fighting that this happened. And then the guy who said, you know, who she loved comes back years after saying that he was going to come get her. Comes back and is there just to ask, like, did your father rape me when I was a kid? Like, what the fuck? I mean, just to drag drag all that back. And she's probably already fragile enough, deal, you know, living with this guy and everything she got to deal with with her brother and her life. So this really just was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Oof.
1: Yeah. And uh, again, I know I've been, you know, I defend Ashton Kutcher in this and how great he is um, along with, you know, Linny. But Amy Smart, dude, she crushes it just as much in this movie. She is consistently great in like every single scenario
0: they present her in. She is so good. Straight up. So her death is the catalyst for Evan to attempt to change the past for the first time. And he uses the, he reads the journals. If he, if he can experience a memory that he had blacked out, then he can go visit it again, which is a pretty bitchin' in power. Uh, yeah. Would you rather have that or Thumper's sexual magnetism? Because that's clearly a superpower. <laughs> that's a tough. You know what?
1: Just because I don't want to deal with like the headaches that Everyone kept getting, I'd probably go with Thumper's sexual magnetism.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it's the headaches. That's why you'd want that power, sure. <laughs> don't lie to me. <laughs> Look,
1: I can go around and say I'm a sexual Tyrannosaurus for the rest of my life and it not be a fucking like, quote, it's a true thing.
0: Yeah, You can, but should you? I I don't know. I will. Good for you. I had that power. I would also, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, okay, I want that. But I'm going to own it. I want it so I can Bang every hot chick I see I don't give a fuck about headaches I do he was getting nosebleeds Like Jesus Christ those looked intense <laughs> I'd, I'd be more scared About the consequences of like You know yeah I can make my life better But whose life am I going to fuck up in the process I, I don't know if I'd be able to live with that
1: Yeah which I mean this movie shows That he can't live with it because it, Every time he goes back something's worse And he's trying to he says
0: that at one point I'm trying to make it good for everyone You Can't do that can't please everybody. In fact, the one outcome that did please everybody, he was in a wheelchair with no arms. Yeah, he had the bad outcome. Yeah. Um, well, and his mom had cancer. That's why he went back. He was going to kill himself and just be done with it, but his mom had cancer. That's why he went back again. Mm-hmm. Oh. Anyway, the first time, he goes back and uh, ends up in the, little r- in the basement with uh, Eric Stoltz. <laughs> I love it. Adult Evan in little kid Evan's body. Is so funny as he just says like, "Hey, bag, <laughs> just threatens him, and it works. He's like, "Okay, I won't, I won't do it." <laughs> like he gets really scared of this kid.
1: Yeah, which you could make the argument on this one that this probably wouldn't be enough to stop a fucking gnome diddler, but again, it it's effective. It works because he would be freaked out a little bit if like this seven year old talked to you like a full grown adult.
0: <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, please stop locking it out of my house. (laughs) It's pretty, yeah, it's pretty awesome. But also he makes the mistake of saying, and discipline your psycho son. So what he does is he pours all of his anger and resentment and need to diddle into Tommy and turns Tommy into a goddamn even worse psychopath. But Kaylee ends up just fine. And Evan ends up a fucking frat douche in the future. I loved that that he's just like wearing yellow and everyone hates him. <laughs> yeah. he's, a, he's an asshole. <laughs> I loved when he had to do
1: like the uh, the pledges and he you could tell he's like not his heart's just not in it. He's like uh and then he had to sh- do the the Greek alphabet which did make me laugh. It was good having that quick little moment of comedic Ashton Kutcher at least in that
0: one scene when he's yeah.
1: doing the Greek alphabet.
0: I loved when he runs into Thumper in the hallway and asked him what time it is, and he's like, what? You forgot your fucking Rolex? Fuck you! <laughs> Just, Jesus. I think, what was it, frat bro or whatever he said? Yeah, going him like frat douche or something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but him and Kaylee have been together forever, and I love that he does the romantic dinner, and she's like, this isn't you. Like, she loved douchey asshole Evan so much she's like why aren't you more of a dick like you were (laughs) (laughs) why aren't you an asshole
1: to people more
0: (laughs) i love that, that she picks up on the he's walking differently all that and uh tommy shows up to fuck up his car it's so weird the resentment he has towards evan it's not like evan did anything to his like evan loves his sister it's this weird controlling thing and this jealousy
1: yeah, it's really weird, which and kudos to the actor that played the adult Tommy throughout this movie because again, like that one he crushes like he probably has the most like long anime spot the different changes throughout like the different scenarios and he is good every single
0: time. Yeah. Well he comes out with a bat and threatens Evan and Evan is like, I am so tired of this shit and just channels all of it all of his hatred and beats Tommy to death with an aluminum bat. Like Jesus, that was rough.
1: Yeah, again, another scene that just shows you how like quick life can change, right? Like along that suicide thing, here's finally Evan got it, right? He has a pretty damn good life here. And because he couldn't like put his emotion in check, kills a guy
0: and is sent to prison. Oh my God, prison. This is uh harsh and really hard. tough to watch. Probably the most difficult part of the movie. Yeah, but um,
1: there's a shining light in it. Kevin... Duran
0: yeah we're gonna talk about that in a minute why like, is Kev- why is Kevin Durant a Cholo in this movie he's one of the best goddamn character actors out there that's why <laughs> they gave him a like a Mexican mustache and a beanie and said you're you're a Latin King now and look, <laughs> look he played a fucking, like Russian in the shrine for Christ's sakes <laughs> I just was like for a second they're like that's not the blob it's the blob. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just a weird role for him. I loved it, but it was weird. <laughs> I did.
1: And this was actually in this, this was one of the scenes I got talked about a lot back on, like, I guess the school, everyone would call it when I was in school, but uh, you know, the scene when he has to prove it to him. And so he goes back, which granted this was one of those minor, like this is a minor thing. Like this would have affected a lot more, but whatever. And he like slams his hand on the spike. I remember that I was talking about so much in school. Like we were like, oh my God, it's the scene when he slams his hand.
0: And yeah, it's 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 fucking effective. I remember going, oh my god, Jesus. It's effective, but it's also the most glaring plot hole in the movie, like by a yeah. lot.
1: It is the one time where it glares because he doesn't have the headaches or anything. I was like, oh, okay. Which I forgot to mention on the frat thing. I love the scenes when they when he wakes up and he has to like the the memories start coming in the yeah film, i love how the film does that where it's almost like literal pain because it's like your brain is now taking everything out that you once knew and forcing this new stuff into
0: you and it hurts them every time well, i love the, the sound design the weird like stretching noise they use like ripping paper and it's just like you feel that shit i mean god to be flooded with a lifetime of new memories like that has got to be just agony yeah, there's no
1: way it feels good because it's it's all at once and, like, his nose is bleeding and it gets it's fucking effective. Like, it, I love those scenes. They are so effective and probably the best, to me, the best use of, like, utilizing memory imprint, Im- implant, whatever you want to call it, into someone's head after, like, they literally changed an entire lifetime worth of stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure. I saw something similar in a movie I watched about a year ago. I don't remember what the film was, but it had a similar... Take on uh, new memories being added into the conscious. I got to remember what that was. Uh, well, anyway, th- for me, the reason the stigmata is the uh, most glaring plot hole is because if he did that, if he goes back in time and stigmatizes his hands, Carlos is going to know him as always having those wounds. Mm-hmm. It won't be new to Carlos. So it well, wouldn't work like that.
1: Yeah. Or, well, like I said, it's established that every little thing changes something but this time doesn't and and even like the, at least like that knife scene which proved to be nothing like they did at least quickly cover it to cover their bases there was like no preemptive set
0: for this one I also love that that's all it took for Carlos to be like I am loyal to you to the end of time <laughs> like I will do anything you need me to do just name it Jesus it just that's all it took <laughs> Talk about a fucking ride or die in that instant. Like, all right, I got you. You're mine now. I believe you. Well, and like that scene where Evan goes into the Aryan cell and is like, so what do I have to do to join your gang? I'm like, he starts dropping slurs. Like, hard to watch. Yeah. And he's like, so do I suck your dick now or... Like he's just very straightforward about it. <laughs> that that's a really tough scene because, like,
1: just like this movie, is like, has a really realistic depiction on life. From what I've heard about prison, and I have a buddy, a uh, very good, another very good friend of mine that's not a, a, a officer, police officer. He worked corrections prior. Uh, a lot of what's in this movie is pretty accurate to how it goes down in prison. So it's 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 fucking tough to watch. Um, even like the little scene when they're messing with him and he gets his strongers back, and he and he almost has that fear, like when the fuck am I getting out of here? And like they take his strongers like you feel, you're like, Oh my god, I really want him to get out of this situation
0: because holy shit. Well, I mean, he he doesn't get out of there unscathed, like they they do rape him. Like when they grab him at, at night when they, they bribe the guard. Oh yeah. They snatch him, and then the next scene he's like mopping the floors, clearly distressed. Like, they raped him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. He just, like a kid, I guess, as an adult, dear God.
0: Also, I wanted to point out I read this in the trivia. All these scenes were filmed in a real prison, and all the extras were actual prisoners.
1: What the fuck?
0: Yeah. How did, that get, how did that get, like, okayed? 2004 it was a lawless wasteland. <laughs> we didn't give a shit about anything. <laughs> Um, I love that little moment when they're eating, like when these, they're at chow time and everyone starts just taking all his food and Carlos just grabs his muffin and gives it to Evan. Like, what's the deal here? Like, is this like, what's with the Cholo with a heart of gold? It's just, it's a weird thing that I don't know, but it is cool that he just like went over, went to the Aryans with them after he stabbed that guy in the dick.
1: Yeah, I like how he almost forgets to, like, close the, the fucking cell. Like, you kind of see on his face, he's like, oh, shit, the cell. <laughs> like, they can get in here if I don't close it. When he's
0: holding it, like, hold, hold fast. Like, it's Hold like, the door, door!
1: hold yeah. the door. That's right. Game of Thrones reference when everyone liked it.
0: Good times. And then from there, Evan goes back in time to, is that when he saves the dog, right? Yes. And tells Lenny, like, you're going to take this sharp thing and you're going to cut the the bag open. And Lenny fucking kills Tommy. (laughs) Like, the shit. And then blames Evan. Like, no. Evan told you to save the dog. You're the psycho who stabbed Tommy in the back. How's that Evan's fault? And I
1: was like, wait, he didn't, you know, he he said for the bag, he didn't mean for you to Take the damn...
0: Yeah. Get out. Jesus. And in this universe, Lenny is has been committed his entire life. He's a very angry, bitter man who believes that Evan is responsible for ruining his life.
1: Which is it's a yeah, it's a good performance. again, very good performance when He's like strapped down and he's looking at him and you see the tears come out. He's like, This should be you. Yeah. Again, really. And perhaps
0: good. Yeah, really good. Perhaps most distressing, uh, Kaylee is now a crack whore and a prostitute and just dis- despises the world and everything in it. And why wouldn't you?
1: I, uh, yeah. But this leads to one of my, actually one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the, when he takes her to the diner mm. and you finally see Evan, he's been trying to fix everything. He starts like to cry a little bit. And he's just like, I just want to fix it for everyone. I want to make everyone happy. And you can tell like, this is wearing out on him. Like this is wearing him down. He just he keeps trying and something bad happens.
0: I, I got a little choked up when he told her about what he can do. And he said, like, I just wanted to, you know, that you were happy once, like pfft, Jesus got me a little bit.
1: Yeah. I, honestly, like, and this is the, this is scene. I'll actually, when it comes to like, trying to defend Ashton Kitcher with this movie, this is the scene I point out all the time. I'm like you gotta watch the diner scene Cause it jokes me up almost every time I see it. Um, yeah. it's, it's a fucking powerful scene. Uh, Kutcher's doing great. Amy's doing great, and when she gets up and leads into him and says, like, what she has to say, you, you fucking feel it. Like, it's just, it's so good.
0: I really, really like this scene. I mean, yeah, I, although I do think that, she, you know, had the little psycho dog torturer been killed, would it have messed up her life that much?
1: I don't know. Well, i Família really quickly establishes the main thing was that she, she had to get away from her dad because no matter what outcome happened,
0: if she saved her dad, that's what fucked it all up. Yeah, he should have just killed Eric Stoltz. Yeah, really. That would have solved a lot of problems. Um, So with this, he goes back in time yet again. This time to the mailbox, and stops. May reveal mm-hmm. the baby, and he um. He runs towards the mailbox and is like, stop, lady, don't open it. And then Tommy all of a sudden is like, oh, I'll save you, lady, which is was so weird and out of character. <laughs> well, but,
1: I didn't really re- read it as our character. I read it as him trying to, you know, again, one up Evan, like, oh, uh, yeah, look like the good guy. If I do this, you know what I mean? Like he's covering.
0: Good point. I take it back. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. And then Evan, it blows up in his face and he wakes up paralyzed with no arms. And Lenny is banging Kaylee in the bed next door. <laughs> like I like, how they re- I like how they reveal that because you don't see, you just see Lenny
1: and then he has like his, you know, the fucking memory thing happen, and they get out and then that's when you see her get out, you're like, oh.
0: Well, I think it's a little fucked up, but like she was in love with him until he exploded and then she wasn't like, yeah, well, when they briefly touch it, explain. You ask her, like, do you ever think about us? Yeah, hard question to ask. Uh, and she's like, yeah, all the time. But I'm with, I'm with Foggy, so this this ain't happening.
1: He he has arms. I'm with
0: him. <laughs> that's basically, yeah, that's kind of what the deal is here. Like nobody's saying it, but that's what's happening. He has arms. He can do things to me that you can't because you don't have arms oh ouch <laughs> i mean he's got nubs you gotta do something with that right well nub play
1: well i don't know oh my god damn it there is a there's a subgenre of that i'm not gonna get into that on the podcast there is
0: everything I was, for everybody we I all was that.
1: i was literally about to be like no that's not, and i was like wait there is uh yeah okay yep i take it back
0: back <laughs> i don't know it's just, and then i my favorite thing about this universe in particular is Jesus freak Tommy. I love Jesus freak Tommy. He's such a good guy. He saves Evan from suicide and is like, I got to help you, man. Like, I love this Tommy. Like what happened? Like why couldn't yeah. we get more of that Tommy?
1: Yeah. I like how this Tommy, well, and that's what I like. And again, you referenced earlier, right? So in all their timelines, he does for like it's consistent. Evan ends up with a good life, but no one else does. And then here you are, finally, he gets it. Right. But it's almost like, again, life being life tells him you can have a life absolutely where they are all happy and living a good life, finally, but you won't get that. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, either you get the one where you're happy, they're not, or you're not happy,
0: but all three of them are. And he was okay with that until he found out about his mom. Like, that's what he went back to stop. Yeah,
1: and we'll, and at first, yeah, because, yeah, he has that getting ready to kill himself. But then Tommy saves him. I did like that line where he's like, I can't even kill myself, right? Like, like, like Ashley Kircher does such a great job at this point when he's selling it. He's just hopeless, done Evan. Like, he, he can't do this anymore. He's trying so
0: fucking hard to make everyone happy, and it always fucks up. I think that's the one where he travels back to his dad and asks him for advice, like "What do I do?" And he's like, "You got to stop. You can't keep doing this." And he's like, "Fuck you! I'll I'll give you a ring when I've fixed everything." Like, a little arrogant. Yeah, and then
1: that's when it's revealed, like you have to again. Why the director's cut ending works, because then it's clearly said, like you can end this. You have to kill yourself, basically. You have to end it with you,
0: or else it's going to get passed down to your kid and so on and so forth. Break the cycle. Mm-hmm. um so with that he goes back in time to diddler and he's like guess what fuckbag!" bag and grabs the dynamite and l- lights it and ends up blowing kaylee to pieces like jesus and then wakes up committed because he you know he was a child who murdered another child so he ended up in an asylum like jesus christ and uh <laughs> The doctor's telling him, like, there are no journals. You invented them as a way to cope. And he's like, give me my journals. He just Again, panics.
1: Yeah. Again, another great performance moment from Kutcher, though, when he is like clearly just lost it. Like, do not tell, you know what I mean? Like, you can see it in his eyes when they're like, there's no journals. And he's like, no, no. Cause, you know, obviously he doesn't want to live a life where he's committed. No one does. But like, you can see the panic, the fear, the hopelessness
0: in that moment in him. Yeah. And then mom gives him the home movies and he locks himself in the office, writes a letter, like, if, I, if anyone's reading this, I fucked up. And the home movies are his way to go to the womb. And here's the ending. The studios were like, no way. Because we see a baby commit suicide in the womb. I mean, God damn. Yeah, just wrapped the umbilical cord around his neck and just died. And I felt so bad for mom because this was her fourth stillborn baby yeah yeah it did it, it's
1: you know like it it's i'll say like it's bleak it's nihilistic it's a fucking downer of an ending but the movie builds up to this ending the movie there's lots of lines of dialogue if you're paying attention that build up to this that this was the ending they intended and to yeah. me as dark as it is it's the most sense that this ending makes because it does exactly what he tried to do in that timeline when he had no limbs Kill himself so that the other kids can have the good life. And sure enough, that's what they got. And they got the good life. And, and ultimately, this film and I like how it, it, I know I'm kind of cutting ahead to like the last shot when it blacks out on Kaylee. This film's ultimately about her. Evan's all main character, but the film's about her. Everything he's doing is for her. So yeah. the fact that, like, that's how that film's in, showing her happy. Getting married, just had this life. Evan won. He finally did what he was setting out to do. As sad as it is to see our main character going, as bleak as that fucking ending is,
0: it's good in that regard. Yeah. The psychic said, like, you have no lifeline. Like, you shouldn't exist. And this is the payoff for that. You know, with him dead, Kaylee and Tommy go with their mom, they live a perfect life. Tommy's the valedictorian. Like, Lenny has a good group of group of friends. The n- mailbox lady and her baby are fine. Everybody's fine. Mm-hmm. I hope eventually his mom was, it was like able to adopt or something. Cause oof. yeah. Um,
1: I think it does show her getting married too. I believe like she finds someone her, I yeah. know. I think it briefly showed her.
0: I don't remember. Uh, so yeah. So that's, that's the end of that. Uh, here's some filmgasm facts. Number one, Evan's mother makes mention of having previous late-term miscarriages before Evan was finally born. This information does more than just set the stage for the alternate ending in which Evan watches his birth video and strangles himself in the womb. It also adds intrigue as to whether these were natural events or perhaps Evan had siblings who suffered the same fate and decided to end their own lives just before being born. Because this is a hereditary power who's to say those children weren't born, found out about this, tried to change things, fucked it all up, and had the same realization that Evan does.
1: Yeah, because it's like, it's implied, like, you know, the only reason she's not with her dad is because he got committed. Yeah. So, like, how many times did
0: they try, you know what I mean, to have a kid? Oof. That's that's a downer. And if she adopts, then this hereditary thing completely stops. Exactly. Yeah. Oof.
1: Or, you know, has sex with another
0: guy who doesn't have this issue oh yeah that's right she could just do that <laughs> i forgot about that yeah it's dad's problem it's not her problem she, she needs a different dick that's what i'm saying here you gotta get some new dick clearly this dick is tainted you gotta get some new one you gotta get a new one maybe maybe a couple experiment have some fun you, you deserve it <laughs> what's her name andrea get that dick andrea <laughs>
1: Get all the dick you want Andrea. It's just not the one that's committed because that is
0: bad dick. Yeah, that's that's toxic dick. You don't want that dick. Oh remember the first episode where it was just me awkwardly talking about the shining? <laughs> <laughs> How far we've come?
1: Can I just say that, like, before we go do the rest of these film games, and facts, I'm really happy that somehow
0: this film, as dark as it is, has been somehow a lighthearted episode. Levity. You need some levity or else we're going to both blow our fucking brains out at the end of this thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, number two, there are four alternate endings. Most of them involve Evan and Kaylee having a chance meeting as adults in a timeline where they never knew each other as children. In the first, Evan turns around and talks to Kaylee at the same time. In the second, Evan turns around after Kaylee has already turned around and follows her. The directors referred to this as the happy, sappy stalker ending and said that if the studio had insisted upon it being a theatrical cut, they'd have publicly distanced themselves from the movie. In the third ending, Kaylee turns around first. Hmm? So that's a fair statement on that particular ending. That's not, that's just stalker behavior. Yeah, straight up. Uh, in the third ending, Kaylee turns around first and then Evan turns around and Kaylee walks away. Evan stands there for a minute, then walks away and does not follow her. The directors called this the happy, sappy ending and said it was the minimum ending they'd be willing to accept in a theatrical cut if the studio insisted on it, since Evan at least learned some lesson about self-sacrifice. And I believe this is the one they used in the, fun- in the theatrical cut, right? I be- yeah. yeah, this was the one he was back in time and as a child and says to Kaylee, like, fuck you, get away from me. I'll fucking yeah, kill he, your family.
1: He whispers something that we don't hear. And then like, it causes her to not want to stay there. Yeah. Um, I, I personally like understand where the director's coming from with the studio. Um, cause like I said, I much for the director's cut ending. It just automatically fits with the rest of the movie. Yeah. Um, I, but at the same time, yeah, I do get where the studio's coming from because it's such a bleak movie. I get where they were kind of like, maybe for a general audience, we don't want them to end on a note of a dead fucking baby in room. <laughs> but uh, and it's not like, it's really not the worst mandate ending I've seen from a movie, by far. Not the worst. Because, yep. um, yeah, you I mean, yeah, they, they meet, they seizure, and then they walk away. So Evan clearly learned the lesson of like, this just isn't meant to be. I'm going to go about my life. But it, it also leaves potholes open, like he still has that thing. So even if he does get with someone different, he's gonna have a kid that's gonna have the power, you know, the power. And then like it's there's still a lot of things that like don't get properly closed up for just for the sake of a happy ending that whereas the director's cut ending,
0: everything gets wrapped up. Like every possible scenario gets like wrapped up with that ending. Straight up. And the fourth ending is the one we see in the director's cut where Evan goes back to the the birth, strangles himself in the womb. This was always a director's preferred ending, but it was deemed by the studio to be too grim for theatrical release. And, uh, yeah. So there were two sequels. First up, 2006's The Butterfly Effect 2. It follows another guy with the same powers, played by Eric Lively. Erica Durant from Smallville co-stars. Uh, you told me you've seen these two movies, so uh, how was Butterfly Effect 2? Oh, it was awful. It has like no relation to the first
1: movie. I think they make a quick reference to it in the newspaper for no fucking reason other than just to have it. Um, yeah, and like the I remember the main character, if I recall, the main character was a complete fucking tool bag throughout the goddamn movie. Like the most unlikable main character I think I've ever had to watch. And there's like these like randomly inserted gratuitous sex scenes with them because that's one of the things he goes back to like fuck this one hot woman. I don't think it was Erica Durant. So for all you fanboys, I know you're a big inter Connor. I don't think it was her. I think it was
0: another lady. Curses foiled again. <laughs> um, next up was 2009's The Butterfly Effect: Three Revelations. This time, another guy uses his time travel powers to solve his girlfriend's death. Rachel Minor of Supernatural and Californication co-stars. How was this? It was slightly better than the second one, but
1: still not good. Uh, I know of using it. Like this one, kind of sucks as like the hellraiser of sequels to me. When that, like, it really could use, like, it didn't need the fucking time travel element. They just put it in there so you could call it Butterfly Effect three. That's why I call it like the Hellraiser sequel of fucking sequels here. Um, it's definitely more interesting. The characters a lot more fucking better to watch. I'll so say yeah, the main character way better to watch than the sequels. But it's just like these both these sequels just to me they just completely miss the mark of what the first one's trying to do. And that is, to me, what I what I always take from this the first film right. That the sequels just do not get is that, oh, as much as life can suck everything happens for a reason and that going back and as much as you want to sometimes go back in time and change things for the better it's not the right thing to do because it's just going to make something worse for someone else so you have to find a way to move on yeah and that makes always, that i'm going hmm? say that's what i always take from that first one and it's why to me like neither sequel works because they don't do that they just
0: insert the time travel stuff in the first movie Well, dad warns him in the first movie. He tells him, you know, you cannot play God. It's not our right. Like, just because we can do this doesn't mean we should. And Evan's like, fuck you. I'm going to make everything great. And uh, nope. Uh, I give the butterfly effect an eight. It's bleak as hell, but it's intriguing and entertaining, mostly thanks to the committed performances.
1: Yeah, it's... Even on this slide, it's edging towards the nine. I really, really like this movie. I'm a big defender of this movie. It's I think as grim as it gets, the themes are very relatable for people in this movie. Uh, if you can get past the darkness of it, you're in for a treat. The, the cast is fucking superb. Get if you're watching this seriously, get past Ashton Kutcher as the comedian and give him a chance. He pulls off a whole performance and I wish you had done more. I wish the audience would have reacted better. So he would have been, I think, more willing to do more um, like this. And also, I didn't mention it. The score for this movie is actually like a low key underdog type of victory because the score is actually
0: really good in this movie, too. Yeah, it's pretty bleak. Uh, but also with like a le- little like tinge of hope that mm-hmm. keeps Evan going because you need that. You need that spark. Uh, yeah, good call thanks for listening everybody hope you enjoyed the show thanks to the entire film productions team for making these shows happen austin johnson josh allred caleb jay of course special thanks to andrew bachman and juan carter the giggle guys for all they do with their show and to ryan leone for our kick-ass theme music we're, we're creeping up on our 150th episode in just two weeks we got a big one planned but until then for next week It's time to revisit a 2016 home invasion thriller that has a sequel coming out next weekend. A bunch of assholes try to rob an old blind man with a stash of cash hidden in the closet. What they don't expect is the blind man to be ex-military, highly trained, and crazy vengeful. Next week, we're tackling Don't Breathe, just in time for Don't Breathe 2, which comes out August 13th. It's been a minute since I saw this. I saw it at the movies. Uh, I was into it until a certain scene, and then I didn't care for it. I'm hoping, since I know it, Coming this time, no pun intended, I will be able to uh, be a little bit more prepared for that. So see, maybe I, I'll like it a bit more. <laughs> see, I love this. One. I love Don't
1: Breathe, even with the the twist that you're talking all about next week. Hopefully, those who are listening right now have already seen me we know what we're talking about. Even with this, I, I love Don't Breathe. Freddie ever is a fucking great new voice in horror between Evil Dead and Don't Breathe. So I, I loved
0: it. Right on. Uh, I hope I like it more. I did give it a seven in 2016 and I'm hoping, you know, it's been five years. Hope maybe it got better. Uh, Also don't miss the 1949 Oscar winning drama, the heiress on Oscar Sunday and James Gunn's the suicide squad on Monday, sneak preview until then. If you ever travel back in time, don't fuck things up worse than you already have. And while you're in the past, keep watching movies.